The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. In your business, do you know who you compete with? It's possible that you don't know. And to explain why, Shep Hyken. Shep, how are you, man? Hey, Joel. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on the show. You're the man. You, uh, you kind of bring a couple of interesting uh, ideas. Uh, you're saying that people don't always know who they compete with. I mean, if you don't know who you compete with, that's kind of a problem. But you're saying that the world has changed. Well, I think you know who you compete with. You don't know who you're compared to. And in the world of customer service and experience, which is wait where second, wait, wait, wait a second, wait, slow down. Say that again. So okay. you, you compete with somebody, but you but people compare you. What's the difference between those things? So the big difference is, is that like, let's say that I'm a, uh, I don't know, pick a type of business, a car dealer. Okay. A car dealer. Perfect. Okay. And, and I think that when it comes to the customer experience, I need to be better than my competitor who's just down the road, who's another car dealer. But the reality of it is my customer doesn't compare me to just that competitor down the road anymore. They compare me to the best service they've ever expected and received from anyone. And think about how Amazon has changed the world and in, in, in really how many people do business. Well, that's the new standard, whether it's Amazon or Nordstrom. It's like when I'm doing business with them and then I go to deal with another company, the car dealer, why can't they be as nice and as helpful and as knowledgeable as, as them? And so the, they call it uh, the amenization, I can't even say the word, amenization, amenization, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think so, you got to be 20 to know how to pronounce right, words right. like that. But, but it's, it, that, that's what's happened is they've Amazon, Amazonized the world. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, you know, do I do that? Yeah. And you know, I do, you know, when I go to a place, I'll say, you know, but, the, but here's, here's what happens. You go in a car dealership and you go, Oh God, look at the, look at these guys there. They're running all over after me They're you know, and they're, you know, once in a while you get to a dealership, it's like, they're awesome. They're just fantastic. And, and, and you're going like, why can't all the other ones be like this guy? Right. That's exactly, that's exactly. Why can't the other ones be like this guy? Or why can't everybody be as nice as the guy that just sold me that the pair of running shoes at the department store last week, he not only found me the right shoes, he found them on sale for me. Yeah. Why can't this? And by the way, uh, if I'm dealing B2B, business to business, and I'm talking to uh, a salesperson, 
that salesperson is, is as much on the line as that car dealer, as anybody else when it comes to doing business with me or any other customer because those customers are smart. Here's what happened. Years ago, oh gosh, the Malcolm Baldridge Award. I remember when I was very, very young seeing, hey, we've just won the Malcolm Baldridge Award. What does that mean? And it turns out it means that they're the best customer service and best experience and a high quality company. And they kept, uh, you know, I remember Cadillac, FedEx, Ritz Carlton, they all won this award. Well, when they started saying we won the award, guess what? People started saying, well, show me what that means. Give me some of that. I like that. Anyway, bottom line is that's what's happening today because companies are promising their customers the best customer experience. We provide an amazing experience. I just did business. I just did business. I did a speech for Incredible Bank. Incredible Bank is actually the new name of, by the way, if, do you hear the lawnmower going on outside of my no. office? No. Well, I can't imagine. It's only six degrees out there. I think it's an ice chopper that's going <laughs> But anyway, if you can't hear it, we're good. So I work for Incredible Bank, which is actually River Valley Bank changing its name to Incredible Bank. And I love this name, Incredible Bank. And I said, why? And they said, because we want to give everybody ICE, I-C-E, Incredible Customer Experiences. So they are putting it out there. They're saying, we're not only going to promise you the service, we're putting it in our name. So I want to do business with a company that has the name Incredible. In yeah, name. you know, I, I, I'm with you. I, I kind of, I'm just thinking of myself as a consumer. I, I'm with you. Let me ask a question though. Um, do you think that people's standards and expectations have gone up or down the, in, the, in and, the last some years? Oh, they've gone up, which is why people say, why can't I get good customer service. I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm thinking maybe we've just kind of gotten used to tolerating some really dumb stuff. Well, you're talking about certain industries right now. I mean, there is a point and I recognize, and I'm going to pick on the airlines a little bit. We all know there's some good airlines that are out there. And when you look at Southwest and Alaska Air uh, and on an international level, you look at Virgin, Singapore, uh, you know, uh, Cutter and, and those, they excel in a premium experience. But a lot of our U.S. domestic airlines are struggling right now with the customer experience. And so I actually wrote an article a while back that says, hey, I just need you to do what you're supposed to do. Get me there safely and on time. You can treat me like dirt, okay? But get me, because here's what happened. Do you know, and this is an amazing stat, on average, about 20% of flights are delayed, Okay, and the delay is more than 15 minutes. And when that happens, if you're connecting, it can really mess things yeah, up. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. One out of five. Now, if you are an OBGYN doctor <laughs> and, and, and taking care of delivering babies, if you accidentally dropped one out of five babies, <laughs> what are the chances your reputation would allow you to continue serving your patients? I'd I mean, say if you did one in your career, you're done. Right, right. That's the point. And so yet, yet the airlines are allowed to fail 20% of the time, 18% of the time. So just the other day, saw an interesting um, so what choice, what choice do you have? Well, I, I, that's part of the problem. So two, two, two levels I want to hit that on. So Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta Airlines, was interviewed by Ginny Rometty of IBM, CEO, chairman, president of IBM, for the CES show, the Consumer Electronics Show. Boy, there's a lot of letters here, CES, IBM, yeah. C, whatever. And one of the things that was fascinating is when, when 
Ed Bastian talked about the merger between Northwest and Delta. That year, there were 5,600 cancellations due to mechanical failure of the airplane. And he said, that's ridiculous. Now, we're not talking weather, okay? There was not one day that went by that there wasn't a flight that was canceled because of of a mechanical. Let's cut to last year. They said, we can fix this. What they did is they, they started looking at all the data. They started looking at... Um, you know, they used artificial intelligence to help figure out in advance proactively when something needed to be replaced or fixed, not after it landed in between flights. So they were able to do this in the evening when maintenance should be done, right? And Or they pulled the, the plane out of service before it became a problem. Last year, 2018, how many mechanicals do you think they had? This is an amazing, a mechan- they had mechanicals. How many mechanicals cause cancellations? Well, first of all, 365 days of the year, they had 211 non-canceled or canceled free days, whatever you want to call it. There were no cancel, and that includes weather too. They dropped the number of canceled flights due to a mechanical by 99% because they proactively figured it out. Think about it. So, all right. So, so wait a second. So, um, I think that's awesome. I think it's, it's brilliant. And I think that they should be moving in that direction. Did they make more money because they ran a better airline? Oh, they're becoming more efficient, definitely. More and efficient, more profitable? I mean, I mean, how does that work well, out in let, terms let's of the look business? At the stock price. I think, you know, I, I, that's a great question, and I'm not going to answer that without having the numbers in front of me. But apparently it's – so here's the – we'll go back even a few more years. There's a couple airlines that went out of business. Pan Am years and years ago, Eastern Airlines years and years ago. And when you talk to the airline industry after this happened, they recognize that in that industry – those two airlines had the worst on-time performance and cancellation performance of all airlines. One of the deductions the airlines made was, we need to become on time and we need to be more reliable or, or customers won't fly on us if we're not. So uh, Southwest is known for its reliability and its performance. And they were, and maybe still are, considered one of the most on-time airlines, in addition to being friendly and everything else that they do. So when you start looking at the reliability of the airline, I think that factors in, especially it may not factor into the individual once in a while flyer, but if you're a corporate flyer, like you and I, Joel, we fly all over the world practically every week. And and if I'm in charge of the travel part of my company's business, I'm going to be looking to make deals with the airlines that are most dependable. Yeah. You know, listen, I'm I'm not asking the question about making more money uh, because I don't think it's... uh... Uh, not because I think that it's the only thing that's important because I think the customer service thing is also important. I'm just interested. uh, I wonder if the customer service component that you're talking about, the reliability and some of these other uh, experience issues translate into dollars in that. Definitely they do. That's a weird industry. So let's talk about the industries in general. So if you take a look and we can go back 10 years and let's go back even a dozen years. So that includes the recession from 2008 and nine. If you were to invest your money every year in the 10 stocks that performed highest according to the American Customer Satisfaction Index, they're the best customer service companies, you will outperform the market. Every study shows that over an extended period of time, the customer-focused companies outperform, oftentimes two to three times more and even higher than the traditional Dow averages. Well, that's that's a new way to invest money. 
It is. It is. Take a look at the most customer friendly companies. Well, listen, so there's a, there, there's the inside track right there. That's uh, <laughs> that's a new way of picking All right. So I have errors and omission insurance, I'm sure. So uh, <laughs> let me tell you that past performance is no indication of the future, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, so let's talk about a couple other industries. I mean, the airlines is, is a different industry because there, there's not a lot of choices, but a restaurant, you can go right next door in right. every strip mall and every part of the country. If one restaurant doesn't work out, you go somewhere else. Yeah. And that's part of why the service becomes important because they all sell something. It's food. So let's assume the food is good. If the service is bad, customers not coming back. Let's assume the service is amazing. If the food is terrible, customers not coming back. What does it tell you? One plus one, great service plus a great product in any type of business, not just restaurants, that equals actually exponentially higher because the sum is greater than the parts when you can put those two together. Because it's expected. And by the way, if you've got a great product and lousy service, even if it's a great product, people will say, I know I can get something close to that somewhere else and feel better yeah. about doing business. I, I, I think that, um, I don't know how to phrase this exactly right, but I'll tell you that the customer service component is a big canceler. It, it cancels uh, goodness in a, in a big way. Mm -hmm. It may not I like that canceler. It's a canceler. It, it, it does. It, there's a cancellation effect, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. could probably be a little more eloquent about that uh, lang language a little better, but it absolutely has, yeah, about uh, this. has an effect. They don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Which yeah, is that's for sure. Cancel so, in their so brain. Let's think about, you know, how do companies, uh, you know, really take it to the next level? I mean, what should they use as their benchmark? You know, what are things that companies should be focusing on? I mean, we're talking here to business people, executives mm -hmm. of uh, middle market type companies, what are things they should be thinking about? Who should they be comparing themselves to? Well, being, I mean, really compare them, compare to the best service examples from any company that you admire. Uh, this, I, I, and actually I want to hit this on two levels. I keep saying there's two. So let me hit the first and that is exactly this. What are the companies you love to work with and, and why? What are the companies you love to do business with? What is, what is there something that they're doing that you just enjoy. Can it be brought into your company? So from a very tactical side of things, we pull in specifics that we try to implement, put into our process. From uh, something more strategic, this is the second side of it, I'd like you to look at the culture of the company. Because if you don't create the right culture, if you don't have everybody on the bus, to use uh, an old cliche, then you're not going to be able to deliver. You just, uh, earlier today, I don't know if we uh, were, were doing it just as we were talking in, in just prior to the interview, you said, yeah, you know, the company might be great, but if a customer comes in and happens to see a janitor who's having a bad day and that janitor has some type of a negative interaction with the customer, guess what the customer's thinking? Everybody's like this. And by the way, well, don't think they right, don't. They generalize it to the whole company. Yeah. And that's what happens. One, you know, it's like, we've got a hundred people. And just as an example, a hundred people that are dealing with customer service, 99 of them have been trained and one we forgot to train. And I get that one person that day, <laughs> they are representative of the entire, uh, you know, 100 people. So culturally, this is what I want leaders to be thinking about within an organization is they have to create this service vision. I call it a mantra, one sentence to describe what you want that service experience to be. I earlier talked about Incredible Bank. They put the word in their name and they have something called ICE, Incredible Customer Experiences. Those three words are their service vision. And they have a whole handbook 
Uh, actually, I have it right here on my desk, and I'm looking at it as we speak. The handbook is all about, they call it their playbook, and it's all about how do we operationally deliver on that. So here's number one, define what that vision is. There's this three words. Ritz-Carlton, we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. That's nine words. Mine is three words, always be amazing. We want to be amazing to our customers. We are clients. We want to teach those clients to be amazing to their clients. That's what our company does. We help them create these amazing experiences for their customers, clients, patients, guests, whatever. And I also want to be amazing here in our office. So always be amazing is our mantra. Uh, symbiosis, and I just read this again. I wrote an article about them a while back. They have a great statement. I love this. It's, uh, it's uh, we love our customers so much that when we kiss them, their lips bleed. <laughs> so I almost want to call that a passion statement, but yeah. here's, the, here's the idea. That's your vision. And every company needs to sit down, every organization, and define what is that one sentence or just a few words that everybody can remember easily. And then number two, we communicate it out and we do it over and over again. Number three, we train everybody to it. And I'm not talking about one time. Training isn't something you did, it's something you do. You're constantly reinforcing and putting out there the importance of this service vision, giving people examples so that they're constantly knowing what it is they're supposed to do. Number four is the executive team, the leadership, managers. They all need to be the role models and, and act the way that's appropriate to what that service vision is. Number five, uh, if there's somebody or some department, or if it's a larger company, even an entire division or a region that's out of alignment with this vision, it is leadership's job to get them back in. I once asked an executive of a pretty large company, CEO, I said, what's your job? He said, to defend the culture. We created it. I mean, I make deals, and but my job is to make sure our culture stays in because if we lose that, we lose everything. And number six is to delight in it, celebrate it. When it's working, let everybody know it's working and congratulate them. So those six steps are really what it takes. It sounds simple, and simple doesn't mean easy. If you've got you know, a company- let's, let's, just, let's just, I mean, listen, there's a lot there. Let's just take yeah. one of them. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm well in sync with the idea of a mantra. I love mantras, mm -hmm. you know, a little phrase- that everybody in a company can can understand. I mean, I look at every single person, employee, every employee in a company as a brand ambassador. Every one of those people yep. is an ambassador. They are, and I don't care, you know, whether you're at the bottom or the top. And, and I, my principle is called everybody sells because you're either a seller or you're an anti-seller. You're either selling and creating a positively to the company, or you're anti-selling and creating a negative experience and repelling people away from the company. And and that's kind of the way I look at this. And that's and the mantra and all the things that you're talking about, uh, you know, in your own language, they're, they're, that's kind of similar, a similar concept, right? Yeah. And you mentioned from the bottom to the top. Let's use the airlines as an example. And I love Jan Carlson's concept of the moment of truth. He managed or he was he ran Scandinavian Airlines way back in the 1980s. He turned the airline around to be not only successful financially, but uh, the most admired airline in the industry by managing the service experience. He defined the moment of truth as any time a customer comes into contact with any aspect of the business, they form an impression. And that's mostly people to people contact, but it can also be any other interaction. And that case in point was, he said a lot of people, and he would gather everybody in the airline hangar with all the employees. A lot of the people here don't actually deal directly with the passenger. 
Some of you never even see the passenger. Passenger checks his bag at the curb, goes down the conveyor belt, and there's like 20 of you that pick up the bag, look at the tag, scan the tag, put it on the cart, drive it out the plane, put it on the plane, make sure it's in the right spot on the plane, and then that whole thing is reversed when it lands. There's probably 10, 15, 20 of you that touch that oh, bag. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It, amazing. Yeah, and, and then the bag shows up on the baggage carousel, and the customer says, oh, or the patient, or patient, the, the passenger says, it's here. They don't think about what got it there. And it isn't magic that made it happen. No, it's these 10, 15 people that did their job who never see the customer's smiling face, but they know that if they don't do their job, there's going to be a service failure at the end where the customer doesn't get their bag. And now that experience is over and the customer's mad and they got to go stand in line and deal yeah. with the person at the counter, et cetera, et cetera. And but they never want to fly that airline again. So let's talk about that one exception. You ever been on an airplane and you, you look out the window and they're loading the bags out of the plane? Yeah. You know, and you've seen your own bag, right? Once, one right. time you've probably seen your own luggage. I've seen this before. It and, and it isn't being loaded on the plane. And the guy like throws it in some, some like bad way and you're going like, stop, stop, don't do that. You know, it's got like my important stuff in there. And, <laughs> and that, that's the same thing. It's like you want them to be delicate. You know, I mean, when you're looking out the window, you're watching these people. And even if they're throwing somebody else's stuff, um, that one guy can really cause a problem. So how do sure. companies get every single person to understand that they are really important? Because they, they may not be a, a foundational building block to the company. They may not be the CEO. But I'll tell you, man, if that block is missing, if they, if something, it's really more of a negative thing than a positive thing. If something goes wrong, it goes really, really wrong. And how do, the, how do companies get their employees to understand this? Well, I mean, first thing is we have to give them training. We have to give them examples and we have to show them what happens, not necessarily to our company, but what's happened to other companies when there's been a service failure. Let's just take a look at, uh, let's pick on the airlines again. And by the way, I was thinking that baggage thing. I took a picture of a lone bag sitting in the middle of the tarmac as these luggage carts would just drive by it. And I even would see from my plane, I'm watching this. And, and the guy who's driving the cart would look at it as he drove by and just keep driving. I'm thinking, somebody's not getting their luggage and nobody's you know, getting that's, it up. That's the kind of stuff, by the way, that ends up on social media. Well, that's where I'm going with this because I actually took a picture <laughs> and I should have taken a video of all these things. But remember United Breaks Guitars? Yeah. You, you know that story? Yeah. So yeah. Th this guy, uh, he's a musician, and they saw him toss his guitar just as you were talking about. And when he opened up his guitar, when he got to the destination, the guitar was broken. So he calls United or he tries to make a claim and they just won't replace the guitar. So what does a songwriter do? Writes a song about <laughs> his experience and then videotapes it and puts it on YouTube. And somewhere they say it about the 300,000th view, United said, okay, we'll fix the guitar. And you know what he said? No, I'm getting a lot of leverage. <laughs> out of this today 15 million views of that video think about that yeah and, and you know what what um the, you know it's really an interesting thing that uh, consumers have always been powerless you know there's always been this um not anymore you know, for since the dawn of time little people were little and big organizations were big and and that was the power imbalance but little people consumers now have an enormous amount of power and companies really need to be paying attention to this. You know, one of the things that uh, I talk about frequently, I talk about building business rules and the way that companies, uh, you know, set things up. Uh, very important for little companies to do that. Big companies do a very good job of it. Sometimes big companies, they're so onerous, they're so one-sided 
that they uh, that they open the door to consumers getting really mad at them, which is what you're describing with this guitar guy. Very short sighted not to realize that they're you know going to you know they're they're missing the opportunity. Is it? Do you have any statistics? Or any numbers on, you know, what it costs, you know, for every dollar that they put into repairing a relationship, it yields this much. Do you have any, any rules of thumb? Well, the general rule is it's about seven times more expensive to get a new customer than to retain the old customer or the existing customer. And what, and um, what if a customer destroys the reputation of the company? Well, obviously. All kinds of other people. How many, how many, how many zillions of uh, dollars is that worth? Well, let's talk about the billions of dollars that it was worth uh, to United Airlines when they uh, took that passenger off the plane about a year or so ago, year and a half ago. And the publicity that they got, people taking videos of this passenger that was physically removed from the plane. You remember the incident? Yeah, of course. And but you the, remember what happened to the stock price that week? Yeah, that week it went down and they lost right, uh, $10 back. billion dollars in market cap. Right. But, but a couple of days later, it was back. So at the end of the day, does it... Was United penalized in any material way for doing that? We're still talking about it. I think that alone is a penalty. Is we're not letting them off the hook. Let's take another company that handled it right. Remember what happened at Starbucks in Philadelphia? Um, I'm going to I, I see a year in the last year or so. A year or two ago, yeah. Yeah. When, and for those who don't remember the incident, there were two African-American guys sitting there waiting for a friend uh, before they went up to buy whatever they were going to buy. And one of them had to go to the bathroom. The manager said, look, you haven't bought anything. You can't use the bathroom. Well, we're waiting for a friend. Look, you guys need to leave. You're not buying anything. No, we will buy something when a friend gets here. So the manager picked up the phone, called the police and said, I've got two guys. They aren't buying anything. Will you please help me get them out of here. And Sure enough, the police came and they arrested these guys. They cuffed them. And as they're walking out, their friend walks in. Okay. Who, by the way, was your average white guy. They were meeting. Real estate, I think, is what they were going to be talking about. And so these guys were arrested and several hours later eventually released. Well, let me tell you what Howard Schultz, who at the time, CEO, he was absolutely amazing. I have these five steps to handle a basic comp, you know, complaint or an issue, and it's you know, acknowledge there's a complaint, apologize for it, discuss the resolution, take ownership, even if it's not your fault. You know, just you know, don't say, hey, I didn't work here that day when, when you bought that. No, you accept the responsibility of handling the issue, and you act with urgency. Well, that works for a major crisis as well. What did Howard Schultz do? Not even 24 hours later, he's on a plane headed to Philadelphia. He acknowledged there was an issue, apologized profusely, went on air, TV stations, and said, we made a mistake and we're going to fix it. We are so sorry this happened. They, the, they did training. They did a lot yeah, of stuff, right? What Training it, Training is a, is a small word to describe what they did. They said, we're going to do this in the next couple of months. We are going to shut down for an entire afternoon every starbucks in the system i don't know how many tens of thousands of stores that is and he said and, and employees and he said every employee is going to go through this sensitivity training and and to understand how to handle these things well now he's discussing the resolution taking total ownership he didn't say oh this is an isolated incident this is the way we our people typically act well sure it was probably an isolated incident but he didn't use that as an excuse he completely took the ownership and talk about acting with urgency. I already said no, it's, it's so it's so good to hear you say this. You know, there every single time something happens, you know, you, the company comes on and it's almost like it's this day they're reading from the script. You know, the, the same script and they're saying that this doesn't reflect our our values. Every company says the same thing, but yeah, every company keeps doing the same true. thing. Yeah, but I mean, what's up with that? 
Well, and, and by the way, it's true. This isn't a reflection of her values and we're handling it, okay? But how are they handling it? Starbucks showed a level of transparency and a level of stepping up and a level of accepting that, hey, even though this is an isolated incident, we wanna make sure it never happens again. By the way, it's going to happen again. You've got thousands and thousands of employees. Somebody's gonna make a mistake, but you know what? They've got a track record of how they handle it. And I think that speaks well for itself. You know, uh, United Airlines with the incident that happened, a shame it happened. Uh, the CEO didn't come on fast enough. It took several days, if not even uh, a good part of a week before he finally came on. You know, let me, let me uh, to accept let, some let me, responsibility. We, we don't live in a vacuum. You know, that way you're talking about it, that is the perfect way to answer it. But companies are advised by their attorneys not yeah. to talk. Not right. to go on, not to And that skip. was probably part of it because there was probably a lawsuit pending. Yeah, because immediately right. there's going to be a lawsuit and the guy's going to start screaming and, he, you know, and the, and the more you admit, then, then they have to pay more. Of course, to a company like United Airlines, the difference between $2 million and $5 million probably isn't very much, but, you know, but that's, that's a big part of the problem. I do want to ask one other question, though. Back sure. Starbucks thing. You know, so the manager calls the police. What, why did the police arrest them? I mean, they weren't doing anything. I agree. I agree. So, so the police were also culpable in the situation. Well, I don't know. Uh, I, mean, I wasn't there. The I don't. Police doesn't mean that they're going to arrest you. I mean, and they call it. They they examine the situation, and they say we don't see anybody breaking any laws, so yep. we're not going to arrest. They, they weren't making trouble. I don't. I don't remember there being uh, troublemakers. They weren't. They weren't. Yeah. So I wasn't there. I can't tell you all the details. I mean, we can go back and quarterback it. You know, a year later and say, well, yeah. this could have happened. This should have happened, but. You know, I think what happened is things had progressed far enough uh, that before that third party walked in, it was already, it, it's like, have you ever been pulled over and you're trying to talk yourself out of the, the ticket? And as soon as the officer starts to write that ticket, it's over. Game it's over. too late. Yeah, that, he that's... can't stop writing the ticket, you know, because he's got he's to account for every ticket that he, he or she <laughs> right. That's... Uh... Do they still use paper tickets? You know, I don't they, know. I, I, and I don't want to find out. I do remember when being young when they said the minute that the pen touches the paper, that's it. That, <laughs> you, then you can't stop it. In the digital environment, it probably is a little different than that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, well, listen, this has been uh, a fascinating discussion. Any, any last comments? What are some, what are some great ways that uh, medium, you know, sized companies, these, uh, the, the great majority of companies in America, the whole middle market of our country, uh, what are some ways that they can get the inside track on customer service? What are some great things they can be doing? Well, I'll tell you the most important thing I think anybody can do is recognize that everybody out there, just as we've talked about, is expecting a good service experience. They expect your, your product to do what it's supposed to do. So if you want to take it to the next level, that next level is to be convenient to the customer, as convenient as possible. Think about what Amazon has done with convenience. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that website is always open. Uh, they, they are amazing with uh, virtually technology. They're, so I've identified six areas of convenience. I talk about this in shameless plug, my latest book, The Convenience Revolution. And one is to just simply reduce friction. And Amazon's the, the, the great case study for all six areas, but real quick, look what Uber did to the taxi cab industry. You know, you don't have to stand out and wonder whether a cab's going to drive down the road. You can pull out your phone and you can see where your driver is. You can, the driver knows where you're going before you get in the car. You know what it's going to cost before you get in the car. You don't have to pay for it when you get out because it's automatically taken based on 
you know, you having signed up for the service. The only friction that's still there is the actual drive, which until they can teleport us, we're going to have to get in that car. So, <laughs> but, but Uber reduced friction. Uh, you travel. Do you use Clear? No, I, I, I just TSA Pre, but I've heard well, Clear. Well, TSA Pre is an example. You pay for that, right? Yeah. A lot of people pay for TSA Pre because it allows you to get into a shorter line. That's more convenient. They save you time. And, and, but Clear is the next level where you pay it a, a fee and it puts you to the front of that TSA Pre line when you travel, which is a really cool thing. Anyway, actually, you know what? I, I actually have a, uh, a Clear account. I, I really I need to activate it. I need to go to the airport and activate it. You got to use it because you'll yeah. be, you know what? You think, am I being a jerk when I get to cut in front of everybody? And then you think, well, I just saved 20 minutes of my life and I'm going to get to that plane on you time. Know, it's, uh, it's something a little different than that. It's, um, it's not so much that, you know, the people who are the TSA pre travelers or the clear travelers, those are really the experienced business right. travelers. I don't mind staying the in line with travel. other business travelers yep. uh, who are well-organized. They got their little suitcase. They know what to take out. They know what clothes to take off as, as opposed to being in line with, uh, with people who almost never travel. Uh, they're, 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 they're feeling harassed. They're feeling, yeah. uh, they, yeah. they don't know. And they're complaining. I want uh, to take what your belt take off out. for you. Let me take your shoes off. If you have to go through there one more time and take another piece of clothing off with, you know, they go, Oh, and it drives me crazy. Anyway, we're off. To so reduce friction, self-service. If there's a way to let the customer take control of the experience, um, and it could be simple. Well, you know, Amazon, you're in total control of that experience. So any online type of an offering, if it's an easy to use website where people can find what they're looking for, buy what they're looking for, get the help that they're looking for, that's great. Number three is using technology. Um, PayPal and Venmo, for example. It's so easy to transfer money from my account to yours. We couldn't do this uh, a few, just, well, PayPal has been probably- We're gonna have to practice that. Pra let's practice that. Why don't you practice- well, Okay, yeah. Why don't you practice sending it to me? How about, no, you said it to me. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but that's, that's using technology to make life easier for your customers. Uh, there is a subscription model. And I love this subscription model because it is a great business strategy. And at the same time, it's a great experience strategy. Think about it. Uh, Chewy.com is an example. Do you know what Chewy does? No. Dog or pet supplies. Okay. So if I order, if it, so I could go to the grocery store and pick up a 50 pound bag of dog food twice a month and take, lug it to the car, take it out of the car, bring it to my garage, whatever. But what if Chewy.com, I ordered it and once a month, they just automatically dropped off the dog food for me. I wouldn't have to go to get it for the store. Think about the Dollar Shave Club. Are you a member of the Dollar Shave Club? Do I look like I need to be in the Dollar Shave Club? <laughs> On your face, not your head. Oh, not your head. I'm the, you know, your head. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> the Dollar Shave Club sends you new razor blades every month four of them, one a week, and it's like clockwork, and it shows up. It's just so easy. Yeah. It, it, I you tell know, hardware stores they should do this with the air conditioning filters. Every six months, send to their customers so they don't have to worry about coming in. You'll sell more filters. It's easier for the customer. It's a win-win. So that's a subscription. Well, let, me, let me tell you something interesting. You know, it, what's really interesting is how all these pieces of business tie together. You know, you come at this from the customer service perspective, but you know what drives all this stuff? All, you know, it's not customer service and the customer experience. It's Wall Street. Yeah, Wall Street bottom line. stock price yeah. drives all these different initiatives because Wall Street loves the subscription model. And the reason that uh, Microsoft has gotten away from selling software, now they sell yep. services, 
Mm-hmm. And all these subscription businesses, uh, you know, do so well is the multiplier on the stock price of a subscription company is substantially more than that when they sell a transactional service. Right. And, and it just works out much better. So, you know, you kind of see it as a customer service thing, but I see it as a stock price uh, driver. Right. So, well, I think every company needs to see it as a revenue driver and more importantly, a profit driver. It's so much easier to keep that customer that's happy, who's paying monthly reoccurring revenue uh, than it is to once a year or when they run out of an item, try to resell them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. It really, but you know what, all these things eventually all kind of come together. So listen, with that, let's wrap up. But Chef, okay. thank you very much for being on the, uh, on the program. Your uh, contact information will be in the show notes so people can reach out to you uh, for keynotes, for advisory on uh, the great customer service experience. Just, uh, just a wonderfully nice gentleman in, uh, in St. Well, Louis. Thank so thank you very much you. for uh, being part of the show and for Appreciate being on with us. Thanks. All right, man. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joe Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.